Good morning, everyone. We're going to read uh, from Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 1 to 14. I've got the big print Bible, 1538 is the page number. I can't help you with the other one, sorry. 609? Oh, 689, apparently. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field and another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find. The bad as well as the good and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading comes from 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, and on the sm- in the small print Bible, it's 791. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the, the, intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. 
That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Thanks be to to God for his word. Morning all. Good to see you all. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks that we can sing of your amazing grace. And now as we look at an illustration of it, we pray that we might be comforted and we pray that it might also provoke us to action, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A question that we often ask one another after church is, how's been your week? And the week, the last week of Jesus went like this. On Saturday, he arrived in Jerusalem to go to the Passover festivities, as did many people. On Sunday, he spent time teaching. On Monday, he rode into Jerusalem on a colt and was hailed as the Messiah. On Tuesday, he went to the temple and threw out the money changers and those who had turned it from a house of prayer into a den of robbers. And now it is Wednesday, and he's back in the temple, this time not to cleanse it, but to teach. And in chapter 21, verse 23, while in the temple, he is confronted by the chief priests and the elders who asked him, who gave you authority to teach in this manner? Someone always gives a teacher authority. School teachers are authorised by the government and the principal. I am authorised to preach by the Archbishop and it's you who give me permission to do so. If you don't want to listen, you can get up and leave. You'll miss out on after morning tea, but you can go if you want to. Jesus responds to this question by telling them three parables. It is the third one that we are now going to turn to in chapter 22. And in the Bible that I can read, it's on page 1538. It is the story of a wedding. And in the time of Jesus, weddings were very unlike weddings of today. If we are invited to a wedding, then we know that we might have to give up an afternoon, we go to the wedding and then there's a dinner at night, or it might be an afternoon tea or whatever, but we, only, we know that we're probably only going to lose a day. But if you were invited to a wedding in the time of Jesus, you were actually invited a long time beforehand. You know, we get our invitation maybe six weeks out, but you would get it months and months beforehand. Why? Because what took place was you were invited and you were told that the wedding was on the 1st of January. But on the 25th of December, you were all asked to turn up and there was a week of celebrations. Could you imagine it, Ira? You would have to feed people for a week. A whole week you've got to feed them for. And then... The wedding takes place. And so, these people are invited. The king 
Jesus tells us, invites them. So this is to be a monstrous wedding. It's a banquet and we are reminded in this passage of God and his generosity. We are told in verse 2, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited, so they'd already had their previous invitation. The email had gone out six months beforehand, and they'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. And so the people who had previously been invited are now said, food's ready, please come. But the Bible says to us in verse 3, they refused to come. In other words, as we all know, there are people who know that God offers them salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, but they choose not to accept it. They want to be in charge of their own life. The fact is that people reject the king's offer. Now this would be, for them to read this, for the people who were listening, for the chief priests and the elders to be listening to this passage, and the king makes an invitation For them to hear Jesus say, and they refused to come, would have been a terrible shock to the religious leaders of the day. Jesus always, there is always a shock in every parable that Jesus tells. And this is the shock for these people, the first shock. Because it would be impolite to not accept the king's invitation. It would be wrong. First of all, it would be doing a dishonour to the king. Secondly, if you'd been invited to afternoon tea by Queen Elizabeth, wouldn't you go? And wouldn't you be telling other people, oh, I'm going to uh, Queen Elizabeth's garden party. You'd, you know, there's a bit of pride involved, isn't there? I'm going. Did you get invited? Oh, no. Oh. Right. Oh, jolly good show. Bad luck. And so, they would think, I'm not being invited. And And the religious leaders... Here's their opportunity to go and for their head to grow bigger and bigger with pride. And no. But of course, the third thing is, and this is important, it's not just some ordinary person that's doing the inviting. You know, if you don't come to my son's wedding, well, you know, so be it. But if you don't come to the king's wedding, if you knock back a king's invitation, there was real risk that you might get killed. That's an important thing, I think. And so the religious leaders think these people refused. And you see, there is a degree of subtlety in what Jesus is saying here. He's talking to these religious leaders. 
And he's saying the king is making an offer and people are refusing. And the quest thing is, will they get the point? Verse 4 says, Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But verse 5 says to us, But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field and another to his business. In other words, they had worldly priorities. And that, unfortunately, is the way many people in our society live, isn't it? That they are more concerned about this life than what there is to come. That's where many Australians are at, isn't it? They're more interested in social status, job security, material benefits than the things of God. And many Australians are apathetic. I leave God alone as long as he leaves me alone. I don't want to have anything to do with it. But the situation actually gets worse. For in verse 6, we are told these words, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The people who Jesus is speaking to are the Jews. They are the invited ones. They are God's people. And throughout the Old Testament, God kept calling them back to himself. They would turn away. But Moses, Jeremiah, Elijah, they all called the people back. And so Jesus, the greatest prophet of them all, the Son of God, stands there and says to them, your God is making an invitation to you to spend eternity with me. But they choose not to do so. And so the king gets angry. In verse 7, the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those, those murderers and burnt their city. Justice comes upon those who will not listen to the word of God and accept the invitation. It's hard words, isn't it? We don't like that. You know, we can think back of fire and brimstone preachers, you know, turn or burn. But the Bible's quite clear. There is a judgment. And if there is no hell, why did Jesus die? There's no sense in it. And then we find the speaker, Jesus, the king, takes a different tack. He says this, So go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you can find. And so the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they can find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. So there we have it. The people, not the Jews, but we, Gentiles, can now get into the kingdom of God. The gospel is first preached to the Jews. Jesus did that. Paul did that. 
people reject it, it then comes to we non-Jewish people who have the opportunity to respond. And it's good and bad who can get in. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Because we know that it's not through works that we get in. All the person is making here, the point that Jesus is making is that some people are actually, their behaviour is actually worse than other people. You know, a serial murderer, a rapist, those actions are far worse than others. And so he says the good and bad can get in. But we mustn't confuse that. In, in, by thinking that it's done on our behaviour. A church decided to have a mission and to advertise the mission they made flyers and, the, and it said only bad people go to heaven and the person took it off to the printer and the printer looked at it and he was about to run it off and he thought, oh, these people have made a mistake. They've got on this. Only bad people go to heaven. So he changed it. And he printed off thousands of flyers and he put on it, only good people go to heaven. So the person from the church came to pick them up and read it and said, hey, this isn't what we asked for. We asked for a flyer. And so he, the person who went to pick up the uh, flyers, had the opportunity to tell the person the gospel. That it isn't good people who go to heaven. It's people who have a personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And that there are basically no good people in the eyes of God, but rather people who accept the invitation of the storyteller. Jesus is saying here, do not be indifferent. Make sure that you are right with God. And then we are told a strange thing happens. When the king came in to see the guests, in verse 11, he noted a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. And he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. I'm sure many of you can talk about a wedding that you've been to. The most, one of the most memorable weddings that I ever went to was a wedding of a friend of mine who I played football with. He met a girl whose family were friends of Prince Charles. They used to, when Prince Charles used to come here, he used to go and play polo with them on their uh, on their. F- farm. Vince was getting married to this young lady. The wedding was held at a really large church in Darling Point and the reception was the most glamorous reception place I have ever been to. He honoured me by sending me an invitation and I gladly accepted At the time, I was a really poor university student. In those days, university students went to university. They didn't have a job on the side. There was no McDonald's or Kentucky Fried or anything like that. So I was very poor. I didn't own a suit. 
So what was I to wear? So I had a coat and a had a tie and I wore that. And I got to the, this wedding and there was everybody in dinner suits and evening wear. And I thought, oh, I am very out of place here. So after a while, I started to talk to someone because there was absolutely nobody else dressed like me. So I started to talk to people. And they said, well, it had on the invitation evening wear. And I said, mine didn't. And I looked at it, and it didn't have any dress code at all on it. He'd actually made a special invitation for me. Remarkable. Now, what's Jesus doing here? What is he talking about? Because we don't understand about wedding garments. But you see, the Jews did. Because in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10, it says this, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. And then these words. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. A person of faith in God is speaking here. And you see, we are reminded here. Jesus speaks to this, tells us about this man. He's asked, how did you get in here? without faith. And the man is speechless. And so Jesus is making the point to these religious leaders of the day that it is through faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that we get into heaven. Now you all know that. I'm not telling you anything new. So, What is the point of the parable for us? I think there are two things. It is a reminder to us that people do reject God at times. But we have the opportunity to constantly be reminding of them that God makes this invitation to them. They may make it through us, through Sunday school, through scripture classes. However, I do not know how they may may do it. But God makes this invitation. He invites people to spend eternity with him forever and ever through a personal trust in the Lord Jesus. And it's our responsibility when we get the chance to tell them of the generosity of God towards them. And the second thing that we can learn from this parable is for us to be comforted and encouraged 
that there is life after this. I learnt last night by Facebook that a friend of mine had died and her son had written that she is gone to be with the Lord. And it's when people die that the rubber hits the road, isn't it? Where have they gone after this life? And so we can rejoice. We learn from this parable of God's willingness to have all people to share heaven with him. And we also learn that we enter heaven on God's terms. We enter on the terms of personal trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. We do pray that it will bring comfort to us and we ask, Heavenly Father, that when we get the chance to set people's thoughts right in regards to how they might get into heaven, that we might be brave enough to tell them. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.